This teaching comes to you from the team at St Mark's, Darling Point, Sydney. We hope that it blesses you. Let's pray as we dip into God's Word. Give us grace, O Lord, not only to hear your Word with our ears, but also to put into action in our lives, to make it a transformative Word. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, a man who later became the President of the United States once wrote a book called The Art of the Deal. Now, he paints himself as the consummate dealmaker, and through his dealmaking, therefore, a winner. As he says, I'm the first to admit that I'm very competitive and that I'll do nearly anything within legal bounds to win. Sometimes part of making a deal is denigrating your competitors. Whatever it takes, he says, whatever tactics, the ends justifies the means. As he later said, my style of deal making is quite simple and straightforward. I'm very high, I aim very high, and then I just keep pushing and pushing and pushing to get what I'm after. Persistence, allied with confidence, will make you the victor. And he goes on to say, if you admit defeat, then you will be defeated. Now, as we've seen, the Trump philosophy is very much Jacob's philosophy. He's a cunning dealmaker, a man who pursues what he wants by fair means or foul. But when we meet him in today's passage, he's a desperate and frightened man, afraid for his life. So how did it come to this? Well, he's grown up hearing of the promises of God made to his grandpa Abraham, promises of blessing, and he wants it, whatever it is. It sounds to him like it's a good thing, a good deal, if you can get it. He doesn't quite understand it or really know much about the God who's offered it, but he certainly wants it. So he cheats his brother and deceives his father. But then he's got a problem because his brother Esau, his twin brother, wants to kill him. So he runs for his life to Uncle Laban's place. And there he meets someone who is his match in the art of the deal, which means that Jacob is then tricked into marrying both of Laban's daughters in a brilliant mirror image of Jacob's own strategy for tricking his father. But the wrangle with Laban doesn't end there. Jacob's family starts to grow and he wants to return back home. But Laban won't let him go. Laban can see that the Lord is blessing Jacob and Laban wants in. He wants to benefit from Jacob's blessing. Now to cut a long story very short, Laban tries to swindle Jacob, but Jacob outplays him. In the end, it is Jacob who becomes a very wealthy man at Laban's expense. But something else has changed too. As we read the story, we notice that Jacob started to realize that whatever blessing he has, he has as a gift from God. Now, when we pick up the story today, the Lord has told Jacob to return home to Abraham's land. But Jacob has realized that he now has to confront a very difficult situation. Some unfinished business. His brother Esau. He remembers the murderous rage of his brother. They haven't spoken for 20 years. And yet he can't come home without meeting his brother. And that's made him very afraid. He's so afraid that he sends Esau a message saying, look, I've, 
I've lived with Laban, Uncle Laban, these many years, and now I'm coming back with all I have. And look, I'd really like to find favor in your sight. Is that possible? He puts out the olive branch. But the messengers return and tell him that Esau is approaching him with 400 men. That sounds like an army. And Jacob is now deeply worried. He's so anxious that he turns for the first time to prayer. And these are the words that he prays. O God, God of my father Abraham, God of my father Isaac, Lord, you who said to me, go back to your country and your relatives and I will make you prosper. I am unworthy of all the kindness and faithfulness you have shown your servant. I had only my staff when I crossed this Jordan, but now I've become two camps. Save me, I pray, from the hand of my brother Esau, for I am afraid he will come and attack me and also the mothers with their children. But you have said, I will surely make you prosper and will make your descendants like the sand of the sea, which cannot be counted. This is an amazing prayer. There's nothing like the art of the deal here, is there? A while ago, I said that the essence of Christian prayer is this. Lord, I can't. Help me. This is what Jacob's prayer is. He says, I'm not worthy of all the steadfast love and faithfulness you've shown me. Deliver me, please, for I'm afraid. He's a changed man. He realizes that bargaining and dealing can't work with God. He's reached a point of spiritual humility where he realizes that he comes to God with nothing to offer God. God has chosen to bless him, not because of anything in him. Have you ever prayed this prayer and really meant it? It's taken Jacob a lifetime of wrangling and running to get to this point. It's taken the experience of fearing for his life. And yet finally, he's open to understanding the grace of God. It's taken the possibility of losing everything for him to see that. So what about you? You and I suffer so much with Jacob's sickness of soul, our belief that our material and spiritual good fortune is a sign of what you and I really deserve. That's what we think deep down. But sometimes God cures us of this pride by speaking to us in our wounds and in our fears. When we are at our most desperate and our most feeble, we are most likely to understand his grace. And for a friend of mine, close friend, it, it actually took the loss of his marriage and kids to humble him and bring him to his knees before God. But God has blessed him in an extraordinary way since then. Humbling him made him open to receive God's grace in his life and all the good that came from that. There are moments in life, and maybe this moment in time is one for you, when everything is stripped away and all you have is Jacob's prayer, I am not worthy, deliver me please, for I am afraid. Yet that is the moment when we really finally take hold of the goodness and mercy that is the blessing of God. That is the moment when we finally see God for who he really is, This is all played out for us in that strange episode of Jacob's wrestling match the night before he meets Esau. 
Now, so frightened is Jacob that he sends a huge tribute to Esau to appease him. Now, essentially, the one who grabbed everything from Esau now gives it to him, gives him the fruit of his blessing. The grabber is now the giver. But who did he wrestle that night? Who was this mysterious stranger who struggled with him in the dark? What was his name? Was it God in the form of a man? Was it an angel, as Bono from U2 says? Was it maybe Esau himself? Whoever it was, the point of the story is that this wrestle sums up Jacob's entire life. Jacob won't let the man go until he receives a blessing. (laughs) That sounds somewhat like the old Jacob, doesn't it? But it wasn't wrong that he wanted God's blessing. Whoever it was, the point of this story is that this wrestle sums up Jacob's entire life. Jacob won't let the man go until he receives a blessing. That sounds a little bit like the old Jacob. But it wasn't wrong that he wanted God's blessing and that he was determined to get it. In fact, it's the one thing worth wanting. And Jacob now clings on with all his might to get this blessing. But before he gets his blessing, he gets a wound and he gets a new name. There's that new name because he's become a new man. He's no longer Jacob the grasper, the trickster. He's now got a new name, Israel, the one who contends with God, or perhaps it means the one with whom God contends. It's a name for a whole nation. He wrestles with God. And it's a great description of the life of faith. Living as God's people is not an easy journey. The Bible is a record of the difficult back and forth between God and his people, his gracious rescue of them, his commands to them, and their persistent unfaithfulness, and their crying out to him in distress, and his mercy and grace in restoring them. And it's a cycle that's set on rinse and repeat. The Psalms contain all of this, All of the moods and all of the shades of this journey, the joy, the sorrow, the grief, the bewilderment, the repentance, the mercy, and the hope of the life lived in this troubled world with the faithful God. But Jacob has wrestled with God and with human beings and has prevailed. It turns out that he's a winner after all, but he's won in a strange way. Because to win with the Lord is to accept your helplessness. To overcome was not a conquest, but a clinging on. It was a matter of clinging and not conniving. This was the key to Jacob's victory. His weakness was his strength. And as a sign of his victorious weakness, he now bears this injury. The stranger cripples him by dislocating his hip so that Jacob now limps. In Jesus too, we see the victory of of weakness. Jesus too carries in his body the reminders, the scars of his apparent defeat, the moment when he won by submitting to the will of God. Even though he prayed with God for there to be some other way, even though on the cross he cried out in his agony, my God, my God, why? Even though he died in pain and in ignominy, this was victory. But we also see in Jacob's limp, a sign to you and me that to accept God's grace 
and to know his faithfulness may involve a wound. You might need to really confront your brokenness in order to be able to receive God's mercy. You may need to set aside something dear to you, something precious, because it is tearing you away from God and from his blessing. It is preventing you from seeing who God really is. Perhaps it's a relationship. Perhaps it's a possession or an idea you you have of yourself as a someone. Sometimes this happens because we know that to follow Jesus means to deny ourselves. Sometimes God in his mercy makes the choice easy for us. God's grace comes free, but it is never cheap. It may break you in order to remake you, as Jacob found. The story finishes with Jacob wonderfully reconciled to his brother. In fact, he finds in Esau the unblessed brother, a grace and a kindness that is strangely, weirdly familiar. As he says to Esau, to see your face is like seeing the face of God, since you have received me with such favour. The grace of Esau is like the grace of God. Jacob is the winner both with this man, his brother, and with God, but only in his humility, not in his moment of grasping, but in his moment of giving it all away, not when he thought he had something, but when he realized that he had nothing. Amen. Thanks for listening. Please visit our website at www.stmarksdp.org to subscribe to our new episodes, browse more resources and find more information about the community of St Mark's.